Welcome everyone to the Critical Strike Podcast, episode 17. We're happy you're here with us. And we, myself, Henry Gay Demore, Meg Kay, and Tyler Scare, are happy to be joined by James O'Leary. You might know him as Stress. First of all, welcome. Second, how are you? Third, I pepper people with a lot of questions. The fourth of which is, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, us, the viewers, the listeners, for those that don't know. Hey, yeah, I, I'm stressed. Nice to meet you. Normally when I say I'm stressed, people say you should probably take a moment and look after yourself. No, I just picked that name years ago and it, it, everybody just makes it really awkward when I hear people talk about it. But anyway, uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I've been out of esports commentary for a little while, but uh, I used to be an EU LCS caster before it was the LEC. Uh, for the last two and a bit years, I worked for Splice and Mad Lions with their swap doing community management and a lot of behind the scenes roles. So I've kept my, my finger on the pulse of, of the LEC as it's been going. Um, yeah, doing, doing great. Really happy to be here and answer some questions because uh, I feel like I have a very unique perspective on Mad Lions. Uh, full disclosure, I don't work for Mad Lions anymore. I left in February. Uh, everything was great, mutual terms. I just was <laughs> se- seeking a job in the UK to, to be back near family. But uh, certainly now that finals are over, I can maybe say a little bit more than I would have been able to before because there's All a few right. things that I don't think are quite known to the outside that may have been a competitive hmm. advantage if I nice. uh, leak them away. Well, that's perfect. No, I'm, I'm glad the chains are off. Uh, that's that's why we got you here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was an, it was a, a an off season that I don't think many Mad Lions fans expected. As far as you know, you've got these these rookies that you know. I, I felt like the only thing that could maybe break them apart was like, well, someone's going to be able to offer more money because in young teams, whether it's in conventional sports or esports, that's just kind of what happens. You kind of get stripped for parts if a team overperforms, quote unquote. Uh, but not only did Mad Lions retool a little bit, their top jungle is arguably the best in the LEC, certainly through this season and this in the playoffs, they were. Um, I don't know how much you knew about that process exactly, but um, I guess before we get into that, let's start with the actual best of five. Uh, you want to talk about rookie resilience. You want to talk about the intangibles that make players who are objectively not the five best in Europe. I think that's still those to G2, but they performed like the five best in Europe. Uh, in the first two games... Rogue seemed like they had it down pat. In game three, uh, I'm going to call it a draft diff, but what did you see? <laughs> it's so funny you say draft diff because I think everybody looks at that game three and is just like, it's garbage. It's hot garbage. Everyone like, looks at it and they're like, what are you doing? This is the worst draft we've seen of the series. Mad at mailing it in. I think that right I, I, there I'm is, referring to the Rogue draft. I thought that was horrendous. Oh, I, I thought you, you thought you go, the rogue you go was d- horrendous? double crit marksman and like the engage wasn't there. Like how they were winning the team fights in games one and two. That wasn't there in game three. That was my kind of issue with it. Mm. Okay. I, I, I do see that. I think Rogue really honed into like bot lane dominance. And I think they just assumed that Caitlyn Morgana was just going to smash through the Ezreal lane, which I mean, it did. <laughs> let's, let, let, it there's no two, two <laughs> words about it. But but I think, um, you know, Mac, the coach for Mad, has talked a little bit about how bot lane wasn't as important in, in that series. And I think that was a, such a big change in style that... I think for Mad, the key was going, okay, now we don't care about bot lane at all. Like, there had been a little bit of priority. You'd seen the Senec Tom Kench in game two. Uh, so I think finally being like, well, let's just get these chains off. Let's let's not actually uh, play through bot at all and just kind of sack it in the draft, at least. Um, I, I think that was kind of caught Rogue a bit by surprise. But those first two games, there's, there's a lot in the draft. I, I don't think... I don't think people understand how influential Oriana is as a pick for both Larson and um, Humanoid in two very different ways. 
for me, watching Rogue for the last year, and I'm sorry, this is a rant on Rogue already. I'll I'll, I'll let everybody else talk. No, no, go ahead. The the key thing to how Rogue play, and they have done for about a year, in my mind, is Larson is integral to determine which fights they take or avoid. And when he's doing even or is ahead in lane, he is exceptionally good at his Mm -hmm. fight choosing and where he goes to it's why oriana is a, a very very good champion for him he can throw the ball down and then nobody can move past rogue just avoid the fight and go and do something else that for me has been the biggest reason why rogue is one of the worst teams for mad to play against it's one of the reasons why mad had a losing record against rogue coming into finals because mad just want to fight they're like we'll take any fight <laughs> just just let us fight and when they can't then Rogue to say, no, slow it down. We don't need to take that fight. So Oriana, that's why we had such um, high priority on it and why it was picked first in game two. And you saw a little bit without it, the Victor's not quite so good at doing that. Still pretty good, but not as good as that Oriana. So I think that game two really should have been Mads. I think everybody looks at it, but unfortunately a couple of missed shockwaves here and there from from Humanoid meant that Mm. they, they didn't get that game. But yeah, that game three was a big turnaround on the draft, and I, I think it was a really smart draft decision from Mac, which is easy to say it post game. Sure. Right? It's easy for me to be like, "Yeah, it worked out great. You picked <laughs> we a lot knew of it. Comfort. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that's that's a level of adaptation, and we'll we'll go into this a little bit later. That actually Mad aren't used to doing, and and I'll touch on that a little when we go through their history uh, a little bit later in the show. There was mm-hmm. one thing that I saw a lot of people um, like a very common sentiment on Twitter was the concept that like the whole the series as a whole was obviously 3-2 but each individual game also felt like a little self-contained 3-2 within the game this was mm. possibly one of the better series i've ever seen it's in one Europe, of the best like at all it was fantastic best playoff series that I've, we've seen so far it's so close yeah for sure i agree yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is what makes... I'm going to sound like a mad fanboy. And yeah, okay. I, they, they are friends of mine. Yes, I work for them. But uh, but I think you can see it in their play style. They're one of the more exciting teams to watch, much like G2 mm-hmm. have been in the past. And, and it's because they're the type of team that even if they're losing, they're going to push you. They're going to do something. Yep. They're not just going to say, okay, well, we'll stand four people here and we'll kind of see if we can fight. They're like, no, give this objective. Go take Rift Herald and a turret. Even if it's a negative trade, they're always looking to continue that pressure and continue that push. And that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. Some people want to see like hands off League of Legends, nice macro play. I want to see the team that's like active, 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 and and that's what Mad represent right now, and is is one of the reasons why uh, I, I I think they're the best team to watch uh, when you're looking for an exciting game, at least. Yeah, I I think that like we were saying that like Rogue likes to play a lot more controlled. They like to control the pace of the game, which is why I like to compare these two teams as the yin and yang of the LEC in the way that. Like you said, they love to fight. Like Mad loves to fight, and then Rogue loves to stay control, control the pace. And so it was kind of like a beautiful like coming together of two teams with very opposite kind of like play styles. And this was honestly one of the closest like series because it's so back and forth, so back and forth. And like mm-hmm. you said, Mad's really good at finding ways to find other places to get like um like close the gold gap or find an advantage like if they're losing a team fighting the other side it's like okay we'll take something else on the other side of the map or something like that um and we'll talk about why they're like that and i have ideas about it too but i think that this was a beautiful kind of like combination of chaos versus control 
and we saw that Matt took it today. And yeah, they're so exciting to watch because they just love to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And they know exactly when, like they're kind of, they're really good at knowing kind of the limits. Obviously, sometimes it, it goes too sometimes far. Sometimes limits have to be tested. But... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why they give you five games. That's the whole point. If it was best of exactly. one, exactly. exactly. Yeah, but otherwise than that, like I think that they are really good at knowing their own personal limits as a player and their limits as, uh, on the champion. And then they're able to say, we can still take this. Even though they're like behind, it's like, we can grab this right Right now and then they grab a pick and that's how they stay in the game it's like mm -hmm. they know the limits of what they have and how to deal with it and i think so i know we're going to talk a little bit about the wukong and how that came in that ties into game three i i was listening to an interview with mac a couple of days ago post finals actually and and the key thing is they have the confidence in knowing what they have to do to win a game and by that i mean Armut picks himself lane matchups that are horrendous like almost <laughs> unwinnable like mac is is even saying that Armut's telling him it's unplayable in lane but wukong into caitlin caitlin's getting smashed Oof. like every single team fight the same yeah. thing like yet th after that it was a varus like mad played tom uh, senna wukong into varus for three months last year because mm. everybody was picking varus in the bot lane and it's not so viable in the bottom lane but wukong if he gets there in the back of a fight I mean, Hansam is having a bad day, every single yeah. team fight. And they know that as long as they're keeping Larson a little bit neutralized, all they need is one or two team fights in the late game, which that's when Rogue are less good at avoiding team fights because you have to. You get forced into situations right. where you have to check, you have to move forward. And and like Armut's there saying, yeah, just give me Wukong, I'll, I'll run into the back line and get it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that, that's the thing where I was glad to see some confidence there in comfort picks, not just for the lane. And it's like, hey, we know we can do this with our team comp and then executing on it well. And that's something that I haven't seen out of too many teams um, outside of G2 and the likes of Fnatic in, in seasons gone by where they just say, hey, we're going to play our game. We don't really care about yours. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think that even... Uh, I, I love to see that also when teams have their backs against the wall and you just default to comfort because when you play comfortable, you play confident, you play well, in theory, right? It could all just go, you know... Uh, Tits up, I think, is an expression y'all use over there. But yep. uh, it, yeah, it, but but it didn't. And, and and like to to your point, like they they were the ones forcing those. Like I remember, I think there was one play, if I remember correctly, it was in the bot lane. It was after Rogue had gotten that Baron, and it was kind of the all or nothing. It was like 22, 23 minutes in in that bot lane. That's where it flipped, and like Armut was like he sent his clone out with the ult, and it was so like the amount of space he covered with one champion was unbelievable. It was like a Rakan ulti. Right? He was like, yeah. Yeah. Just go, 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 got everybody. You just shoot the monkey out the cannon into the enemy backline. Actually, yeah. No, it was like some not like a, like a Simpsons sketch or something. Like, you just, it, it, it was wild. But then, like, yeah, so, like, but then he played that in game four as well. And, and like you said, it was just, like, pressure, pressure, pressure. They bullied, you know, Odo. You saw that top jungle, right? The, the amount of times they dove, mm. the poor guy. And then in game five, it kind of felt like it got flipped. Armut, on the beginning of the game, he he got he was pushed up just ever so slightly, right? And game five was a tremendous comeback from Mad. But to me, it, it felt like Rogue kind of keyed in on, okay, we got him off the Wukong. Now let's make sure he can't play the game because there was it was the Nar ultis in game two also that were really really key. And he was kind of running a little bit in, in the first half of mm -hmm. that game, and they really really focused him down. Mm. Yeah, I, I was really scared in in game five like coming out of the draft yep. not not even after the first like five minutes ten minutes when i'm like all right taking off my mad jersey like putting on a regular shirt i'm like this <laughs> my day is done but, oh, no, well I, i'm not a turncoat but i'm like my celebration for the day is gone yeah. uh but i i was scared because 
everybody memes on Renekton, right? But the one thing Renekton's going to do for the most part in almost every matchup is he's going to solidify your top lane for the first 15 minutes yeah. of the game. There's not a whole lot of room to, to play against him. And if he wants to make a play in the bot lane, first 15 minutes of the game are his. He can dive down to under towers. Whereas you compare that to game three and game four from Mad, it was Mad that were, were actually causing a lot of the the proactive plays in the early game post level six uh, and actually making the dives happen so i was i was really worried that they were going for this play style which was more like game one and two where they have to play further back and have to play um for, for later game team fights but i think they were gifted a little bit by uh the senna pick and the reason i say that is even with tom kench next to senna Senna needs a lot of space. Senna needs a yes. lot of time to deal damage. And she normally gets it. Normally, there's no problem there. But that one fight where Kazi just like just dives all the way in, knows he's useless in the team fight, and all he has to do is buy time for, for Humanoid to win, and just trades himself one for one. And in that moment, the fight and the game is just over. It's mm -hmm. twisted back around, and, and there's no real space. Like The summoners, I believe, were blown in that fight or weren't available for a, a subsequent one. And I, I was so terrified that they were never going to get that opportunity. But yeah, they they caught one fight in the late game, and and that's kind of that's how it goes when you're playing a, a team like Rogue, who are used to playing it. Also know that it comes with the downside of if you let a game go that late, it's a coin flip then, every yeah. single yeah. time. And normally they're very good at it. This time around, that Kaiser just found the mark, and after that, the the game was pretty much done. Yeah, because even in the games that Rogue ended up losing, their early dragon control was still unbelievable, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's to your point, they if, if they say, okay, look, the game might get to that point, but we're going to build ourselves an early, like enough of a cushion to where the coin flips 70-30, 60-40, mm -hmm. right? Um, it, I was really impressed, right? As I was kind of watching it back, I was like, wait, yeah, they stopped the dragon control every single time, right? The first three were like, I think almost every game all went towards, and maybe you can get five start off 1-1, but either way. Uh, not not quite as important. I mean, the it was cool to see. I think um, it was pointed out on the cast that that was, like you said, that Wukong pick was something that Armut used to beat them in Worlds and now helping out uh, the team that he took their spot in groups uh, to a title. Um, is there anything that you One, wanted to say like about that series before we zoom out a little bit? Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit just about that dragon control point because uh, this is one thing that I, I absolutely would never have said in the lead up to, to finals. I'm even a little apprehensive saying it about uh, now with MSI coming up, but what I will say is this is older information from January uh, and the beginning of February, and I think the, the game and the meta has changed a considerable amount uh, even out of the jungle. MAD used to be, at the beginning of the split, a team that would sack Dragon Control in the early game to get Rift Herald Control. And a lot of people don't like the way of playing mm -hmm. that because they're like, oh, what's a Rift Herald? First Rift Herald doesn't mean anything. But the way that they used to push that gold and accelerate it into a specific part of their composition, this isn't every game, this isn't the majority, Like, but I think if you go back and you look at the first three weeks, they had 100% first Rift Herald control. And mm. at least at that point, there was an intentional side to it. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's changed since then in a way, and I, I, they definitely did not maintain that control. But that period of time, I would guess, made them feel very comfortable playing into teams that have had dragon control early, um, which sounds like a really abstract point, but there are teams like Origin last year, okay, maybe not the best example, but they would all in on, on uh, giving away dragons, I think it was, if I, if I remember rightly, and just never touch a dragon until like Dragonfall, which 
every other team was basically better than them and and <laughs> we'll come back and, and bite them an and it was a bit yeah. of an oopsie but th- it used to be an intentional choice by mad at least to um to not or to at least over prioritize rift child compared to dragon i, I, spoke, I would be interested to see if it's still the case <laughs> i spoke briefly to um mac at the start of the season i cannot for the life of me remember which week it was in but um that was something that he mentioned as well the idea of like the changes that Mad made in the off-season were to promote a flexibility. Like, they needed to have the opportunity to carry in every single role. And mm. I think the fact that we've seen this shift from purely Rift Herald focus at the start, where you can kind of put those ganks and that gold maybe towards Armut and then have him be someone that carries, or put the gold onto Alioia and have Alioia carry. Or you can take the Rift Herald mid and you can get an early advantage for Humanoid. Or you can still go bot lane. We see them move towards the a little bit more dragon focus later in the season, and you can start reprioritizing your bot lane in the way you did last year. And I think that's one of the... I think MAD has been one of the teams where the benefits of the offseason have been most obvious to see through playstyle, because they've just got so much more flexibility in where their carries can come from now. And I think, as Mac explained, that was the kind of the intention of the offseason changes, and I think that's been incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, speak- I think so too. Yeah, no, uh, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to disagree and let you, you set up because I think that's where we're going next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, so let, let let's take. I mean, I'll, I'll let you take it kind of however you want, but I'll, I'll I'll start it off by this. This is like it's. What am I trying to say here? This form at the end of the split of Mad Lions, right? Like that you can carry through all three lanes. I mean, <clears throat> when I when you say can carry through all three lanes, what I think of is IG twenty eighteen, right? Rookie, the shy Jackie, love the three-headed monster, right? Either one of those guys could just solo win you the game. But that was not the case for Mad Lions at the start of the split. You had guys who were a, were a little more established, Karzy and Humanoid. They got off to, we'll say, slow starts. And I think to me it was surprising because it was the top and jungle that were swapped out. So you thought, if anything, that was going to be in this super tight-knit group of guys. That was going to be the, the the part of the team that struggled mm-hmm. to, to come out the blocks. Uh, what did what did you see uh, from that? Yeah, I, I can explain that pretty pretty with with a decent degree of certainty. Partly Wonderful. because I've heard it from the coaches directly, and also just from from anecdotally knowing uh, the players. Um, the the performance of Kazi and Humanoid has improved with the amount they've had uh, with. What am I trying to say? Their performance has improved the less they are responsible for the macro decisions of the team. Humanoid is an incredibly good late game, and I know people say somebody's a good shot caller. Humanoid is very good at reading late game like situations and how to play the late game. He's a, above average, if not like great, shot caller at all points in the in the game. But if he has to focus on his lane, which he wants to, and if you give him focus and you give him a, a half decent matchup, he'll at least go even in the majority of lanes. If he has to put focus into to shot calling he's going to suffer there. Kazi is a good shot caller. He's very good like at, at determining very specific points, like whether it's a focus in team fights, whether it's a next objective, what they're doing to set up. But again, the more he has to focus on that, the less he's able to to play what's in front of him. And I think that's why we saw a lot of the the issues that the, the 2v2 at least had for the, the first few weeks of the split. 
Elioyes had a few interviews even on the LEC saying he got to a point where he was just like, well, screw it. I, I need to just like make decisions and keep moving forward. And, and it was that that he got in playoffs. He also just kind of grew that throughout the split as well. Mm-hmm. He's he's the biggest surprise, I think, out of every player that, that's joined the LEC probably in the last year and a half outside of maybe Kaiser and, and there's a few others. Like I think Trimby deserves a lot of respect for, for his performance as well. But when you look at a player that's come in and immediately grown in one split more than a lot of rookies grow in their entire career before they're bundled up from a <laughs> mid-tier team to a lower-tier team to going out of the LEC... Like this is a player that I don't even know what happens if if he get, gets the space to to have a few splits and maybe you know win a few championships. I don't know how good he can get. It is the interesting thing, which it does remind me a little bit of Shadow when he came in to Mad Lions last year. Um, I think the the difference with El Yoya is there's. I, I, Shadow is a really nice guy, I, a good friend of mine. Uh, I saw more growth in El Yoya, I think, than I saw in Shadow the entire year in El Yoya's first split. And I think mm. a lot of that comes from just his ability to read the game very well. Like, look at how in, inspired played against uh, Yankos in day one of finals weekend, and then look at inspired on day two. Looks like a different player. Not that he played badly on day two at all, but day one he was just crushing through Yankos like nobody we've ever seen. And then day two, it's it looks more like an even matchup, if not El Yoya favored in in a bunch of the games. So, yeah, the the way that El Yoya has taken control and Armut, you put him on stage, he's an experienced player. That's where he really came to life. Is like those two things allowed them to have a lot of control over the top side of the map. Um, and I think that the the ability to be on stage is the biggest change to Armut's play style. They call him the stage beast <laughs> mm. <laughs> when the team are just uh, just hanging out and that. And, and it's true, he's, he's he's a very confident player on, on stage. You saw it in, in Worlds last year. That's why Mad, part of why Matt hired him is that performance at Worlds, like <laughs> sending them, like him waving at them as Mad like yeah. leave the world stage. They're like, oh, maybe that guy is the guy we want there's i think that's like that's so important is it is mad to me mad unintentional pun you can have that one for free no um (laughs) the confidence of this team like to go 2-0 down in a series and then just turn it like it's nothing is like if i if I am not an LEC caliber player. I will never be playing in the LEC. However, if that oh, had that been me in the situation of like, I'm 2-0 down against the team that so many people have been like predicting, have been saying like, oh, they're one of the best teams the LEC has ever produced. I would have just like snapped my keyboard across my leg and walked off stage. I would right. not have been able to handle <laughs> when, that kind of pressure. When Armut went, looked at the camera and went, I'm like, oh, this guy's on. like, yo. Like, <laughs> No, um, no, no reaction is just like he knew already. He knew like these guys are so like I love the confidence and I just love that kind of mentality. Like you can see it excuse like, like, like it's coming off of him like an aura almost, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like usually you get these guys that are very like calm, collected, professional, but then you got these like Arma just staring at the camera for two minutes straight. You guys like you know what I'm saying like. I think even from last year, like Mad Lions, to me at least, became like almost like the, the, the the boys of the LEC, mm-hmm. where they're all like this, like a beloved team almost, right? And 
they continue that not just with their play, which is, has been incredible, but also their personalities. They let it shine a lot. And like, I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why too, is that um, these guys, they are like the quintessential example of like ad- adaptation. Like throughout the entire season and through the playoffs, they showed a level of just growth that, like you said, like if it's a new team, they they replace some key me- key like positions like jungle and top, right? And to be able to like it's a perfect arc of just like starting in the beginning, you're struggling a little bit, you're still trying to feel the waters out into finding your groove, finding your groove, and then hitting that finals and then just smurfing it because you've gone through all of that but in a split yep. it's not even a whole year it's not like we're talking in summer split like this is the spring where they went through this incredible growth and i don't know like the sky's the limit for this roster honestly yeah and, and there was a lot of flack with dropping a rome dropping shadow because people looked at shadow and they're like wow this guy he just had one bad tournament and uh you're dropping him and and mm. I think you you touched on it a a little bit already about Mac in the way that he talked about the intention for the team. Like the organization of Overactive Media, who are the parent company of Mad Lions, want a championship caliber team. They have one now. (laughs) I'll be honest, I didn't expect saying it. it, Like the first split really after the player changes, but the whole intention is get a team that can compete against everybody in the region and then go to worlds and do better again um they, they've always said that since the beginning even when there was splice um and splice was close there were there were still a few things that, that weren't quite uh weren't quite there but there's so much faith in humanoid um because i i've never seen a player with do you know what some days it seems like an ego some days it seems like arrogance something some days it seems like ignorance to what's going on <laughs> around him this is a guy that um to tell a story that i don't really think has been told too much so madrid in worlds 2019 he just comes off stage playing faker game one right the splice versus skt this is faker right we're, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about faker um he comes comes off stage and is just like mm, i mean He's good, but... No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, so he respects Faker as a player, right? Like, yeah, 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 of course. And I, I, I'm i not trying to get him in trouble here. This is not, like, he's not he's not saying Faker's a bad player. Nobody's saying Faker's yeah, yeah, a bad no. player. But he has so much confidence in himself that aside from players like Caps and Faker, and, and even he said similar things a little bit about Doinby, not that anything is wrong. Like, they're, they're clearly... The, equal or above caliber but to him when he's on stage he's not getting crushed right and if he's going even in his mind he's like well this is all winnable mm-hmm. yeah maybe not every matchup but but there's like a, a real level of confidence in himself and now you can see it from other people on the team you see it from armored i mean armored thinks that he probably could go up against anybody and be confident that he's gonna Bring win even if shy. it's not you fetch me his head yeah. give yeah. me give me the shy and nuggery give me it already i don't <laughs> exactly <laughs> I love it but I think that's important, though. Like, that, it's not ego. It is, if you're going to be playing at the highest level, you have to believe you can beat these players, because what's yeah. the point right. of playing otherwise? Dude, respect all and fear none. That's the yeah. big thing. Like, you, can, whole, yeah. you can't go into matchups frightened. You right. can't yeah. be thinking, oh, God, what am I going to do? Oh, it's Faker. He's going to, like, exactly. activate his jutsu on stage and i'm just gonna like my hands will seize up and i can't play you have to have and that makes me hearing that makes me so excited to see this Mm -hmm. mad internationally because like that kind of 
self-belief and that like yeah i can i can do fine this is like this is a good matchup this is pretty even that is so important for playing internationally right Mm -hmm. he studies them but there's no fear that that i think is is the biggest thing there's respect there's like studying but there's no fear that when he steps on stage he's like i i believe in myself that's probably just in case anybody's gonna like clip out a bit about faker (laughs) and like upload it (laughs) That's probably a bit why. I mean, the, 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 there is no fear. is because there is, it seems like there is this, this meticulous preparation. It's like, look, mm-hmm. I know what's in my control. I've done everything I can. And then the, and then if you can compartmentalize that, because one thing say, I've done everything I can, but you still get stressed about the stuff inside of your control. If you if you say, okay, no, I've done everything I can, I can compartmentalize. I'm good. I'm going to play my game. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and like you were saying, it seemed like, like you said, when you were telling that story, it's no, no, no. They are what they are. But I know where I am too. I've got an accurate read right. on them. I don't have this just lofty, like starstruck, unrealistic, like just self mental boom view of them. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh no, it's Faker. Mm. It's you know the god. It's like no, no, he is who he is. He's unbelievable. But I know myself as well, and I know how I slot in and how I compare. So I know what I need to do. Um, like, isn't that something that ha- like that's like like what Med said? Like that's a big issue at international events. Is you yep. get starstruck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you look at across the rift, and that's why people's like just turn the names off. Because if you see at like T one faker or like like Dan one showmaker, it's like oh my gosh! Like, like <laughs> the names already are kind of like you it's know like, that's an a, uncool- it's like anything they do is just like you're, you're like oh well they know something that I don't. If they do something exactly. like if they misplace like you're just like wait what do I like like even like on like the dive like I think Kobe I don't, or like Isaiah was talking about like it's like how do you know if like you know if you're playing like flex or someone how do you know if someone's bad and it's like if I screw up. And they don't punish, or like if I go into trade and they don't like trade back, right? It's just that light. They can mm. feel the self confidence. They're like, this one's over. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I get sure. that. I, I think that can even work domestically too. Like sure. l- another little behind the scenes tidbit: G two before every game, at least up until this mm-hmm. season. I don't know before. G two would just like spam in chat before game and like oh, just oh. joke around and shit talk and like. It puts some players off. Some players get really nervous by it. Um, and it's it's just a common tactic. However, Matt have Kazi, so <laughs> you, 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 you can't troll Kazi. He he will out-troll just about everybody. Yeah. Uh, so I was born he, in he's it, given molded it by it. There's <laughs> a really good screen grab. I think it was from, yeah, it's from last year, I think. It was when Alfari was on Origin. And it's just, he enters game, the split second, G2 Yankos, G2 Wonder, G2 Pucks, mm-hmm. all muted, just the second he gets into game. <laughs> hey, I mean, if it works, yo, <laughs> you, you do it. Like, what? It's great. So oh, okay. let's talk about, speaking about internationally, this team is going to MSI. And that, right. and there is a discussion of, wow, yeah, that's cool that, you know, that Mad Lions are going to MSI. That's wonderful. Elio is going to get a shot on the stage. But international experience does matter. We've seen that time and time again. But this team plays with no fear. That's also something that we have seen time and time again. Uh, do we think that that will extend? So kind of, you know, in the immediate future, what do we think about their chances at MSI? Because there are a lot of people that would say, and I, I think it's completely fair, is that, look, even though Mad Lions deserve the title of this split, as far as if you want European, a good European showing at MSI, send G2. They will do better internationally. There's a school of thought there, and I completely get it, and there's a lot of merit to it. What, what do we think about MSI? They've got a really uh, – Mad Lions at MSI, excuse me. They've got a really nice group. Um, I think it'll be them and uh, Brazil that get out of that one personally. Um, just Sorry, <laughs> I, James, you know, I'm, I'm Brazilian, so I've, I've got my uh, my CB Lowell bias. Uh, I, think, I think BRTT and Draven are going to show up big uh, again in that series. But uh, – do we think that they can go toe-to-toe? Do you think that Armin Nuggery isn't as one-sided um, as we think? 
honestly, I always think of when like European pl- uh, teams go to like an international event. I think of that. Uh, I think it's Yamato that that saying of like play your own game, don't copy it. And if Mad can put aside the thoughts of we're facing against Dan one and we're facing against you know uh, maybe like like the best in the world especially if you get past you know the group stage and you go into the rumble stage right and then, then you're just facing everybody every single best team right i think if they can stick to their strengths like like you said before where it's like i know what i am and we know what we are right and you don't play into like the other teams and the, the, their plans, you just do what you know that is like you're the best at. I think they got a chance. These guys are these guys are really really good. Um, obviously, it's gonna be hard because you've got some of the best ever. But that's all international events. All international events are hard. All in, you're gonna have to play these teams one way or another. So, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, I um, I I think anybody that's expecting Mad to win, uh, putting a lot of pressure on a young team who mm-hmm. some of which have played literally zero international games and the ones that have played some have played a few and lost and went home from worlds quite quick other than Ahmed. Um and I say that with no disrespect the only player I'm mad that I'm confident on a world stage is Humanoid maybe followed by Kaiser because Kaiser is less affected by pressure as well however I think this is the best thing that could happen for the region Regardless of who won the finals, the fact that it was Mad and Rogue, one of them going to MSI, is the best thing that can happen to the region. Because right now, EU is not where EU was a, a few years ago. And that's okay. That's not a problem. We've cycled in a lot of young talent that has a lot of room to grow. But we're in a growing period. We're in, we're in a growth stage where we need players to get that experience. So for a player like El Yoya to be able now, like three months into his official professional career to be able to go to msi and play against literally the top team around the world from every single region and probably get smashed in some of the the <laughs> you need, tougher you need matches. to go to that yeah yeah i mean even hell i would be chomping at the bit to have a game against a team like cloud nine now where you go against like sven you go against perks you go against these players who have been around for so long and have done so much the same with like the teams from the lpl uh and and you know lck that as you said, there's these tough matchups, but you, I, I, considering it's MSI and no offense to Riot, it's great to have the competition, but MSI doesn't really mean much in the no. grand scheme of things. <laughs> I, I will watch it, I'll enjoy it, but when we're comparing it to the, the, the weight of worlds, I want yeah. our players to go and get some of that experience. I would love it if they win. I have confidence that they can win if the meta like fits them and they draft well and it's their day and they wake up feeling it and there's a vibe <laughs> going on. But like, there's a lot of like incidental things that, that stop me from saying that they'll do a good thing right now. And, and the, the sad thing about that is I think that a lot of fans will hate on them if they drop a game to for instance the tcl who they play in groups they should win against the tcl mad's biggest problems are when they're in a game that they should win that was the same last year it was the same for splice Mm. one of the reasons is um and this is where i'm going to be not so kind to humanoid humanoid's ego however we want to talk about it also comes into play there if he doesn't respect his lane opponent it doesn't go so well. He's not so careful in lane. Like, I think Mickey on XL, like, beat him four games in a season. And I'm like, why are you losing to, to Mickey? No disrespect. But, like, we're <laughs> this is, like, XL against Splice who are going into, like, playoffs at that point. And I think the games that Matt are expected to win, sometimes the confidence is misplaced too early on and they don't give Double enough respect sword. until the game is, like, already over. Um 
So I, I want them to get some experience. I want them to do well. I, I, you know, good friends of mine. I hope they do well. I hope they win. Um, I'm glad that they're going to get this experience as well because it's really going to be invaluable for them. Um, I just wanted to touch on something real quick. I wanted to kind of give some more props to Coach Mack. I think that – so you said that, like, oh, you know, being able to kind of – like, these are, like, not – like rookie players but they are new players especially to the lec and let's be real right the lec is a different caliber of league compared to others especially you know i don't know like i think that coach max ability so i i've talked to a few players now one of the biggest change the one of the biggest differences that they say isn't in mechanical skill when you're going from right. like a tier two league into the lec like a major region like lec lcs lck whatever the biggest difference for a player is not the mechanical skill they're usually pretty much right there right um the biggest difference is in your macro and mid to late game decision making right um we saw this for multiple teams is like you have really really good mechanical players but when they get into the stage where it's not laning they struggle because they're not they don't have the same experience the lec is a lot more you know meticulous and smart about what they need to do later on and how to snowball how to do this and that and i think that coach mac like i think that the only way that you can get that kind of knowledge is through one experience obviously but also through good teammates and good coaching and because they will be the ones to guide you and tell you okay when you see this when this happens etc etc like and i think that coach mac has done such a great job of like i think like he's a great person to like help lead players into these new situations and then help them grow and so to the point where they can also start to make their own decisions during the split and during games and things like that um even last year right a whole new like a, a young team that must have been hard, right? They're all young, but at the same, I guess it's okay because then they all grow together. But like being able to go to Worlds with like such a young roster has, says a lot about Coach Mack and his ability to like help these kids learn right. how to play at such a high level right away. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, to to that degree, I think what Max's best strength, and I think he would even say the the same. Max's best strength is not necessarily an absolute top level understanding of the game beyond anybody else and any other coach that walks in professional mm. League of Legends. He surrounds himself with people who are great at what they do. He's great at what he does. He's that's how you make excellent. your job easier. Make the people who work right. for you look like make you look so good. He's an mm-hmm. excellent motivator. He's great at coaching you to to be the best you that you can be. And then he surrounds himself. Not only does he have a good knowledge and, and a good draft understanding and, and above average everything that you re- really need to be a coach, he then brings on Cass, who's a former Challenger Series player who he knows is still playing in Challenger, duos with Kazi sometimes, like that kind of thing, like still has this level of understanding of the game to the highest degree. He brings in Pad, who's a, a coach that was working, I think it was for Tricked in ERLs, and yeah. he could see that when he delves into Pad's knowledge bank and, and can can really like isolate what Pad's good at, he brings that out as well. They have an online analyst, um, Aggie, who does a lot of like data analytics for them. And it, like they, he's exceptionally good at, at like bringing the best out of everybody around him. And that's why that coaching staff works so well. Like I love spending time with Mac because Mac makes me feel good about being me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so if, if that's the case for like me and I was there as a community manager, I'm like, as a player, I know he, t- he takes time to, to work with each yeah. of the players on mentality and wellness and health. And, and mm-hmm. these sound like things that, that, 
you know, some people will say, oh, what does that matter about League of Legends? All you need to do, know is your lane matchups. Well, one of the things he brings out well, having worked with him for three years, is that great shot calling in the late game that I'm talking about that Humanoid has. He has a very intuitive understanding of what needs to happen next. Kaiser has a very good understanding of a lot of the ways that support is supposed to interact. Elioya knows his jungle timings now, knows his pathing, knows the best way to get things out of the jungle role. And he's pairing all of these best bits, all of these things that he's like nurturing and bringing out. And, and that is why I think Madeline's uh, raised the, the trophy, not because individually their players are the best, but because right now they are the only team that's working to that level in the LEC. Rogue are close. I think they do have a little bit of, of, of mid and late game decision-making in an even game that, that can go either way. G2 used to be really good at this. Mm. The playoffs was not a good look for G2. Reckless is... Okay, we're going off on a tangent now if I go down here. Uh, <laughs> Reckless, as an addition, was, was a great world-class player, but Reckless typically is, is, is a very... Um, uh, a very gold and, and resource heavy like soak doesn't necessarily mean he's always the carry in the game but you look at his farm numbers for the majority and he's the one that's getting a lot of the farm a lot of the emphasis goes on to what reckless is doing or not doing in a game like if he's playing karma he's not carrying so oh, the okay. emphasis is on reckless not carrying and then they need a secondary carry and yeah. the g2 just haven't figured out how to make that work when caps needs to carry when reckless isn't carrying We've seen the memes about Wanda playing WoW, and it's not that he's bad. Wanda's still Wanda. I still get scared every time we like have a player play against Wanda because he normally smashes them. Uh, and Mickey just looked off form as well. And and Yankos was fighting against two junglers that are about his even, or if not mm -hmm. better, currently. And and G two used to be such a solid team that if there was one person having a bad day, you had four people having a world class day. And well, you're not going to beat that. They weren't so good. Rogue couldn't fight, and that's why I think Mad were were, were the better team across the weekend. And it's it's just from putting together the best positive aspects of a team. And you're right; like the coaching staff deserve a lot of praise for that. And I think that's something interesting as well. Kind of on the G two point, I think G two this season have proven that league it is just a team game. You can't just mm -hmm. have the best pound for pound player in every single role and win. Because um, Mickey did an interview with Lara, our colleague, and in it he talked about the issues that they've had building synergy in the bot lane. That a big part of that was that they've removed Duo Q for Master Plus, and also the fact that Reckless and Mickey um, go and watch that interview because it was very, very good and very insightful. But um, <laughs> yes. Reckless and Mickey have quite different schedules. So finding time that they can play together that's not in scrims is challenging. And then I think the, th the point that you mentioned about Mac, where he really fosters these players' abilities to interact with each other and kind of capitalize on their unique strength to create this perfect whole, kind of like a Voltron-style way of <laughs> building a team. I think that's this MAD has proven just how important teamwork is in League mm. and just how much good team cohesion can make up for any possible individual deficits in like individual laning power yeah mm -hmm. no because because I, I think like what what I, I think that's like the other side of the coin of what tyler was saying about you know if if the skill you know the skill might be there individually right or if it's not it's like you, you lose games more often than not it's just like on call it experience call it late game mac or whatever but experience is yes playing the game but also experience playing together because in the late game yeah. you have to play together and that is when you know that's when it all can hit the fan. And so I think I think you hit the nail right on the head. No, absolutely. Um, 
looking forward then, uh, as we as we start to wrap up, for Mad Lions, James, you were talking a little bit about the the state of the league. Um, mm-hmm. What does this resurgence, do you think, mean? I'm not even talking like, oh, is the G2 Fnatic era over? Because that, that feels like, one, it's a point that's been beat to death. Two, that, that even doesn't, I don't know, I mean... I, with you on on the show and and having your perspective, you know, I, you're someone that's a lot more plugged into the LEC than I mean, for sure I am. But like, what do you see as okay? You know, like you said, is this good for the league? Is this, like this, this? You said it's good for the league, but I want you to elaborate on that. You talked about cycling talent and how the league kind of goes through seasons. Can you go sure. more into depth on that? Sure. So like we we went through the the like the, the glory days of G two where the, you know they were three games away from winning a world finals and everyone was just like Jesus is G two is the best Western team that everybody's ever seen, um, and a lot of that came from the like the final crop of Challenger series players like the Perks uh, era that I got, had the pleasure of casting in like 2015 16, getting the experience to be a world class team and and that kind of ended in 2019 2020 we hit the EU Masters first crop of players you you have your upsets you have i mean upset was already around a little bit before that anyway mm. so perhaps i'm including him in at the wrong time but you know you had that first crop of rookies which included a, a, the likes of humanoid and that start really getting their footing and it's only now that really they're becoming veteran players there's this weird intermediate stage after you've been a rookie and everybody suddenly calls you a veteran as soon as you played game day one of split two in your career and like it's like no they're not veterans they they, just just played a year buddy like i don't don't. (laughs) yeah exactly like hey i was sat at home like four months ago and now i'm playing summer split like what um the I, I see Fnatic and G2 coming back because even though the rest of the league has, has got stronger in, in Rogue and, and Mad, the thing about G2 is, and Fnatic's is that they're short-term problems right now. G2 mm-hmm. tried to plug and play Reckless, who is a very different player from Caps. Uh, sorry, from Perks, Perks who... Yeah. Um, did, I mean, on paper, like you're swapping one best eighty carry in Europe for another best eighty carry in work. That should should work, right? Perfect. But the the way the playstyle changed, I I just don't think between that and the meta, G two had had enough time to actually get those problems. And you were talking about it, the interview, um, and they were talking about the amount of playtime. That's a hundred percent the reason, and I can buy into that and believe in that. Part of that is self-inflicted from G2 because their players complain all the time about how much content and stuff they do, yeah. but that's a public uh, discussion that we've heard about whenever they talk about going to international events. Um, part of that is inflicted there. Uh, other parts like DOQ and that, and just there's not enough time in the day to, to be scrimming and practicing and doing everything. And 24 hours. What, what that know. means is when, when you look at like Kaiser and Kazi, who have been playing together now for over a year, well, suddenly that's a lot of experience there. Fnatic, similar thing. You bring in upset. You you make a couple of changes there. Niski is a very different player to to Nemesis. You have a playstyle change. They need time. They need time to build up to it. So even though probably there are people out there that are like, oh my god, G2 and Fnatic suck now. This is yeah, the worst thing for Europe. It's going to be fine by Worlds. It'll, no. it'll be fine by Worlds. Do not panic. Um uh, and that doesn't mean it'll be the 2019 level of like winning worlds, but this year is kind of like to find the footing for those teams again. And then next year, probably we will be looking at like a G2 that wins back-to-back splits if things stay the same. And that's no disrespect to, to any of the other teams, but when G2 are playing, if they have the same caliber of players, when G2 are playing up to G2's level, there's almost nothing that can actually stop them. Um, and they would get to that point with Reckless as well, with the right amount of time and the right amount of, of, of input and the right coaching. But it's 
it's tough to know until you've had one split of oops that didn't quite work um you don't know what to change right you might have got lucky the first time around but i I expect you to 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 be in finals in summer almost undoubtedly um everyone keeps saying that it's a new era of league of legends in europe but i don't that doesn't exactly mean that it's an an era has ended right like i think that Mm -hmm. g2 so in that same interview with lara mickey was talking about how the team got complacent and honestly, I expected their complacency to come earlier because of the way that they were absolutely crushing it in the right. first like year and a bit of their reign as kings of Europe. I thought that that kind of complacency was going to come a little bit earlier. But I think that one, Jankos kind of t- touched upon it on his stream, is that um, he didn't exactly say they didn't have a leader, but he said that because he, he stopped streaming before the finals, he, he stopped streaming for a bit because he said that no, someone needs to take the lead, so I'm going to do it. And so I feel like right now they're in a very kind of explore like they're exploring their kind of options plus right. the fact that they kind of got complacent because they've been winning so much. He's like Mickey said, like once you win so much you kind of take for granted that you're going to win and then you just need that kind of wake up call. I yeah. think this loss was a wake up call for them. Yeah. And so once we once they're able to kind of figure out kind of I don't know the hierarchy or whatever kind of like leadership kind of style they want for that team and then now that they're playing seriously because they're not complacent and because they're taking it seriously, I think that we're going to see is going to be a really, really fun race in summer. Um, Fnatic, uh, we'll have to see. There's a lot of stuff that uh, is like I'm not sure about. It's probably in background because on paper they have a lot of talent, obviously, right? right? And like you said, they need to get used to playing with these new players. Reckless was the face of the franchise for years. You're going to need to take time. Like He's been playing with Hilly for so long, right? And then obviously... Niski's new. He's a completely new player. He's a lot more, you know, he's not as resource dependent, whatever. But I, again, I'm really excited, especially for the LEC in summer, because I feel like now it's kind of showing how much depth this league has. Like, not only are we going to have Rogue and Mad still there, they've shown that they have the caliber of players and coaching and just overall can do as a team but then you're gonna also have these like g2 who's gonna probably be on form for summer and then Fnatic, who we'll see about them but like it feel and it's not even that either like sk wasn't a pushover shalka yeah. looked pretty mm-hmm. decent it's like all these teams that have like kind of elevated their game is just gonna produce an even better team for worlds Europe's whoever comes out like so bright right now it's super bright and like Whichever teams we that that region like that Europe sends is gonna be like, like I feel like we're building up to like a, another golden age for Europe in the way that we have so many really good teams that will help train the world's representatives for like a better international showing. You know, it's so a, it's a possibility. Yeah, I I think the one thing though that I I I don't necessarily see so much from Europe as a whole is like. I think we have very few well-rounded teams. I think G2 could get there. I think Fnatic with a lot of effort could get there. Rogue are are kind of there, but then I I always find when I'm watching Rogue, if they're not far ahead, they kind of don't know what to do. (laughs) Which, I mean, if you're playing against good teams, that's that's not really going to happen, right? Um, I I feel bad because I don't feel like I've given Rogue enough props in this episode. Uh, They probably should have won finals if, if it hadn't been for a few fights here and there um but i i think i think it, it, it's important what you said about like up, upcoming with with worlds and that um europe 
can do well and and probably will do well but everybody that thinks the sky is falling it's probably going to feel the same for the next month mm-hmm. after msi so uh hold on to your hats on that one because it, it mm-hmm. could be a bumpy ride for the next little bit before we get to summer split i just want to pick you up on something you said quickly the um have like we feel like we haven't given rogue enough credit in this this episode and Obviously, this is a Mad Lions focus episode, and they have just won the LEC, so like right. that's what we're going to be talking about. But I also think it is important to give Rogue credit where it's due. I don't think history will look back kindly on Rogue from this split, just because that's kind of what happens if you lose. And I think that's an incredible disservice, because this team are really, really good. They mm-hmm. play in a way that... like. I think their loss looked worse, because it looked like they had it so in the bag. Their style is so kind of dominantly steamrollering that when someone is able to kind of take an inch back from them and then suddenly take a mile, you're like, how the hell did that happen? Because you kind of see it coming out of nowhere. But I think Mm -hmm. they made pretty much universal upgrades. I think Trimby is, with a little bit of polish, he is going to be something really, really special. I think Odoamne has proven over the, I can't even remember how many years he's been competing in the LEC, that he is absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Like, he is incredible. I think Larson is one of the most exciting talents that Europe's ever produced. I think Inspired is also possibly... (laughs) I think him and Alioi are probably tied for the best jungler in Europe right now, and possibly even the best jungler in the West, because I would be very curious to see who in NA could challenge either of them. Blabber Blabber is the only one that that comes to mind. Yeah, he's the only one who even comes close. And I think that Hansama has just always been insanely consistent and really good and i think like i don't know i just i'm so excited for where europe's going why are you laughing at me Mm, i I made a face hank's got a hank's got the uh if i speak i am in big trouble so i will not speak (laughs) i made a face no that's talking uh, about junglers that that's for next episode i i i I stand yeah oh the na slander okay 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 no 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 no, no. it's not it wasn't even just like i thought of like well but like santorin is like very and like but as far as kind of challenging... They're um, both very good. Yeah. Well, well, they're both very good junglers. But I think if these are the two teams that are kind of stepping up into the limelight for Europe, oh, I'm really... This is the most excited I've ever been about Europe's future. I've been, like... Yeah. I was a diehard Fnatic fan back in the day. I've been here for a long time. I've been disappointed by that team once or twice. <laughs> but, like, Only- now I'm really excited to see where this is going because i think we are building two very different teams in rogue and mad that both have like these incredibly unique strengths and i think with time and with international experience they'll experience they'll build out that like more well-rounded style that we want to see and i think they'll both be really scary and i think just because rogue lost here i don't think we should count them out at all because they will be pissed in summer and they will be looking <laughs> to take this one back yeah they're taking the, the weights off the, an- the ankle weights off they're, yep. they're gonna be pissed off <laughs> yeah the the summer split revenge tour for the rest of europe should be pretty fun Oof. uh but until then we've got a, a couple weeks where we don't really know what to do with ourselves and then msi which should be uh like like, like you said if nothing else it's gonna be a ton of fun you watch it you'll yeah. appreciate it for what it is don't mind me. I'm just getting out ahead of things with a little damage control. Thing. Like, <laughs> it's don't worry about MSI. We're just working on worlds. That's not the official Mad Lions line. We're just don't there worry. to have nobody... fun and make friends, and that's what matters. <laughs> as everyone has exactly. fun, then we all are win. No, nobody quote anything from this as official Mad Lions propaganda. Yeah. No clips, no clips. <laughs> I don't work for yeah. them. Haven't worked for them for a while. So this is just my personal <laughs> opinion on everything. 
Yeah, but but we do appreciate really having you on. I mean, even from you know, from the time you worked there, from you know your, your time since then, your your insight. I mean, <clears throat> I I really like. Yeah, I say thank you for being here. We appreciate the insight to to every guest. But I mean, uh, we I, a great episode. Really appreciate having you on there. Yeah, thank you so much for being a here. Good episode today. I hope no one at Matt is too unhappy if if they watch this and like <laughs> they go, oh well, he just leaked everything. So uh, no, I don't think I told too much. So I, I was happy to come on and 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 talk a little bit about it because I think um, having been a caster on broadcast is really hard to 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 see that next step like behind a team. And having worked with the team for two years, I'm like, well, I know these stories. I I know mm. these things that like are impossible to know unless you like watch the team scrim day in and day out. So happy to be able to kind of like shed some light on uh, one of my favorite groups of players ever because they're, they're so fun. Th- those guys are hilarious to be around. <laughs> well, they're going to be representing Europe at MSI. We'll talk about North America another time, but this was more than enough, uh, just a great discussion on what really felt like uh, if not, maybe a turning point five years from now, but if nothing else, just an incredibly fun split. Uh, and I'm glad we got to dissect it and take it for all it was worth. Uh, big thank you to uh, James O'Leary, otherwise known as Stress. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you to Tyler. Thank you to Meg. For those people, I've been Henrique Demore. Catch us, the Critical Strike Podcast, on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and Google Play. I did it. I think I nailed it. Nailed it. Yes, you did. You yes. did. All right. <laughs> Let's go. And with that, that's where we're going to end it. Thank you all for being here, and we will see you next week.